Welcome to Kitchen Table, candid conversations about sex, relationships, and being human. I'm Brittany Palacastro. I'm Nick Antony, and today we're talking to Nicole Winston about Tantra and sexual somatic healing. Hey, Nick. Hey, Britt. So today, I am feeling very full with the current list of things that I have to do. I feel it may be coming, <laughs> you may be feeling some of the energy coming through. I am. Yeah, yeah. So this is where I'm at. It's not negative. <laughs> like it's just, I when it comes to me having a long list of things to do, this is just where it takes me. Can't, so where is that taking you? What, what's going on for you? It's hard for me to smile in the face of long lists of things that I have set up for myself. I typically am able to get things done and uh, to-do lists are uh, long to-do lists are very frightening to me, but I've gotten accustomed to probably making small lists. But right now what's happening is the list is extending past the small list that I've made in my mind. So, so that, you feel overwhelmed by that? That's what I'm navigating. It's not so much overwhelmed, but this just, yeah, when it comes to me having a load of things to do, there's just a certain level of anxiousness that comes up. Yeah. And then that shows up in the way that you relate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then that affects me. So I'm pretty sure we've already done the episode with Amy about attachment styles. Yeah. <laughs> and so when I notice a shift in one of my partners, even like a shift in the mood or energy, it can be so, you know, my anxious, preoccupied people, attachment styles know what I'm talking about. It's very jarring and disruptive, even though mentally I know that everything is okay. It can be really not off-putting, but it just affects me. And so that's a little bit where we are today. Yep. <laughs> and we're bringing it to the table because this is what we want this podcast to be about. We want it to be authentic and real about where we are. And um, we can't be authentic if we're not talk, speaking to what's going on in the moment. So It would defeat the purpose of what we're trying to do here. Yeah, Candid conversations about sex relationships and being human. <laughs> yeah, like just before we started, you were just like, what's up? I was just like... <laughs> There's like nothing. This is what I'm presenting right now. Like, <laughs> and I'm already feeling better just talking about it, to see? be honest. So it, it helps if you put words to stuff sometimes. People it really does. Like, you can't keep it in and you yeah. can't assume that your partner is going to know what you're going through. No. Like, just, just give it a voice. And also, as the, the listener, <laughs> as the receiver of the information, like, just try to, you know, don't Receive. make it. It's not about you. Receive yeah. it. Receive it exactly yeah. where it is. And that's it. It's hard to do. And it takes some practice. It's very much a, a muscle that requires a flexing. <laughs> so today we're talking to Nicole Winston about one of my favorite topics. So sexual somatic healing, Tantra, which is so Nicole and I do the same things to an extent. So I'm excited to talk about this with her and get her perspective. How are you feeling about this conversation? Open and ready to ask questions or, uh, that I'm inspired to ask. Let's do it. Welcome to Kitchen Table. I'm Brittany. I'm Nick. And today we are talking to Nicole Winston. Nicole is a Tantra practitioner, yoga and meditation instructor, and an integrative wellness practitioner. She brings these beautiful offerings together in the container of her company, Blue Nile Yoga. Welcome, Nicole. Hi, thank you. Uh, it's really a pleasure to be here with you today, Brittany and Nick. It's so good to have you. And to be in this conversation we're going to have today is near and dear to my heart. We are colleagues of a sense and um, you and I, Nicole. And so we do similar work in our own way, but similar. We were trained 
Institute of Authentic Tantra. And so I'm really excited to be talking about Tantra a bit and sexual somatic healing with you. And so let's start. Let's dive right in. I would love to hear a little bit about your personal experience with Tantra. Wow. That is a very big question. It is. <laughs> <laughs> we just dive right in. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no small talk here. <laughs> So Tantra is something that actually has been of interest to me for a very long time. I think from the first time, my first experience with sex, I had that moment of like, is that it? Like, surely there is more to this <laughs> yes. was my first experience. It wasn't even from watching, you know, porn or anything. It was literally from just having this felt sense of like, there is something that's available to me that I'm just not accessing in this experience. And at first it was about techniques and learning how to be a good lover and all of that. But as I got older, I started to realize that there definitely is sort of more available to me that sort of not experiencing. I started to read all these books. I started to practice all, you know, play with these things. And interestingly enough, one of the places where I started to think about Tantra at a level beyond just great sex was actually from doing Reiki. Ah. So I have a level one Reiki and I have obviously gotten lots of Reiki work done. Can you tell us what Reiki is real quick? It's a little like (laughs) quick and dirty. What is Reiki? Yeah, yeah, of course. We know some people like that. For sure. So Reiki is kind of energy work. So it's sort of when someone is kind of pulling energy from the ethers, universally available energy, and using their hands to move energy throughout your body. There's different types. I, I actually have some attunement to Sekem energy healing, which is a form of Reiki. What that work does is it's definitely working on the energy body and it uses principles like traditional Chinese medicine and all of these principles to understand the body beyond just kind of what is felt and seen. And my first time on a table, I didn't actually, I can't actually say I kind of necessarily believed in it. It was just like, let me see what she, and immediately it must have been like less than five minutes into the experience and I started bawling, sobbing. And there was just movement in my body and so much happening that I definitely bought the Kool-Aid. This shit is real. This shit is real. More. (laughs) Right? Yeah, exactly. And it triggered something in me. It triggered this understanding that if this is possible with just someone hovering their hands, then what is possible with all this like magnetic energy that I actually do feel moving through my body during orgasm and during sexual experiences, this energy between me and other people. So what is that? And how do I get to be more intentional with it rather than it's sometimes there would be things that happened just spontaneously. You know, you'll have this transcendental experience in a second, in a moment with someone or even with yourself. But I wanted to have intentionality with it. I wanted to be able to use it as a tool for my own wellness and my own healing. Let's be with that. Can we stay with that for a second? Yeah. <laughs> I think these things happen a lot. Can you speak to that too, Nick? Just like sexual experiences and sometimes feeling something and maybe not knowing what it is, but feeling a different level of connection or like, you know, I think coming from someone like myself, who's been practicing this woo-woo shit for a minute, right? (laughs) And then, you know, someone like you, Nick, who has, you know, engaged in your own way and not fully like dove in. Mm -hmm. I'm just curious, like if you can relate to that as someone who's not quite like where like Nicole and I are like, as we've made it like our life's work, so to speak. Yeah. In terms of like my initial experiences with sex, 
I don't think I had a moment where I was just like, oh, there's so, there's didn't have that like eureka moment, like, oh, there's more here. I did find that there was like this tapped in energy mm-hmm. that you just wanted to continue to like kind of digest and like consume. Well said. <laughs> and the older I got, then those gates started opening up and then those realizations started opening up. And in terms of Reiki, like on one of our dates. First had, dates. One of our first dates. We Brady took me to her yoga studio and she's like, she's try, she was trying to impress me. I totally was. She was like, look, <laughs> this is where I, I, I facilitate. Um, well, the funny thing is, is I, we went out. Wait, is that our first kiss night? Our first kiss was on the dance floor. Yeah, but I think then we went... Oh, did we go dancing after that? We went dancing on the dance floor. Our first kiss was, you can do it, put your ass into it by by Ice Cube. It was beautiful. (laughs) Talk about connection, okay? And then we went, let's just say, like, whenever we went to the yoga studio at, like, midnight. Like, it was like, I had a key, nobody was there. And (laughs) we, and we, I have since maybe have told them if they listen, they'll be like, Oh, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's fine. And so this is 11 years ago. And so we went and we made out on the sofa because mm-hmm. there was, it's a huge, massive space. And was that when I did? Yeah. I had a, had a, I had, I had a massive headache and you're like, let me rake it. And I, and I was just like, I don't know what this is. Fine. <laughs> I just like kind of received it. And I was just like, you know what? My headache is gone. <laughs> and I was just like, okay. I've never not been a believer of there being some type of like a uh, energy that flows around us that exists, you know, that, mm-hmm. you know, but it's just, uh, that was a moment that definitely grounded me in what you do and also like open the door a little bit, cracked a little bit more for me mm-hmm. to kind of be like, yeah, there's some stuff here that you don't quite get, but it exists and it is tangible. And just to add to that, the other thing is that is not to say I was also the person doing talk therapy. I was doing psychotherapy because I was actively working on addressing my shit. And what I realized in that process and in, in doing more of the energy work was, yeah, there's the conscious process of identifying the things that you're aware of. And then there is so much happening under the surface that you're not aware of that you need other tools to get at those things. So yeah, so Reiki is wonderful as one modality and psychotherapy is wonderful too. It's just these things can work at all the layers and really help support you in a, in a really deep, holistic way. And I think going back to that idea of honing the sexual experiences of recognizing like, oh, there's a lot here and there's energy and there's these feelings and there's this orgasm that I'm experiencing and a deeper connection to myself. And what I'm hearing, Nicole, is you saying that like you recognize the power in that, but didn't just want to just be like, whatever, you know, let it, let it just happen. But like intentionally hone that energy, it sounds like. And there is a way to hone that energy with tools and intentionality. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so definitely it is all about how you cultivate the energy that you're creating as you're building sexual energy and directing it to your own healing. So I will say that, yes, I do have authentic Tantra training, and that is definitely a shamanistic sort of Tibetan Buddhist Tantric tradition. And so what that is, we use certain practices. So there is meditation, there is movement, there is connection and pleasure. And through those practices, you get to then incorporate the elements and you get to use the power of the elements. So they all have different qualities and they all address different issues in our system, so to say. And it's really difficult to explain if you don't get to actually demonstrate or work with someone. But ultimately, you're building sexual charge 
right? So you're having like lots of times giving yourself pleasure, giving a partner pleasure. And as you're doing that, you're also using the elements like through using your visualizing them, through using mantras, working with those elements to direct the energy to the places where in your body they're needed to clear blocks, to kind of move through your energetic body um, and open those channels. It's also, you know, there's even levels at which it's just very physical, very, so, you know, we do movement where we're moving our hips and our pelvis so that we can open up and allow energy to flow through our pelvis. And that is somatic sexual healing too, because without an open pelvic floor, without the capacity to move energy in your sacral chakra area, you're not going to experience the same like movement of sexual charge and energy through your body. Yeah, absolutely. So you said you've been interested in Tantra for a bit. What has been your experience personally as you've learned more of these techniques? How has that shaped you as a woman, as a mother, as a woman of color? What does that look like for you? Yeah. Wow. It has been, I would say it's been transformational. So surprise, surprise, I'm living in a black body. I'm living in a black colonized body. And there is so much that I deal with when it comes to that experience, including just all of the messages I grew up learning, you know, not having this, my my hair is too kinky and, and my lips are too thick and all of those messages just by looking around me. I remember when I was in university, uh, one of my dorm mates turned to me, you know, blonde haired, blue eyed guy. And was like, you're pretty for a black girl. And it was just, and I think he thought it was a compliment, but it was actually really hurtful. I just managed to be attractive despite my blackness. <laughs> it's like, it was really, Thanks. really hurtful. Like, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, there's, that's just one very sort of almost superficial example, but there are so many different things that, you know, these microaggressions you experience all throughout your days. And, the other thing is you learn certain things like, you know, there's the trope of the, the strong black woman, the independent black woman. And to be honest, my experience of those, that trope is that it's not supporting me. It's not healthy because what I'm learning is to put myself last, to work too much, to give too much and to not take enough care of myself. And so on so many levels, these tantra practices have almost rewired my nervous system. So they've helped me to prioritize my pleasure. Because it, you know, it was like, we got such tough homework, Brittany. We got to, we were like required to do two hours of ma- tantric masturbation a week. It was so, it was terrible. <laughs> yeah. You know, and then there was my nervous system just realizing that, you know, I cannot even, I don't even want to try to measure how much of my days was spent in fight or flight or freeze or fawn, you know, response and how valuable it was to me to really heal my nervous system, allow for more time spent in that parasympathetic space, in that rest and digest space. And it's only when you do that, right, that you can heal from trauma. So definitely just really working in a very gentle, slow way to healing my nervous system. You know what? Another thing I got from that experience is just allowing myself to be more embodied. So I am very, I'm, I have the capacity to be very intellectual. I have the capacity to be in my head all day long. And you know, that's, that is also a trauma response, right? Cause it's just avoid being in the body. Cause it gets, it can be just too uncomfortable. It just gets too real around here. And so doing some of this work, like just being required to slow down, to actually spend two hours, like 
with your with my yoni and spend two hours like touching my body and not distracting myself with you know things you know the tools or other things just allowed me to come into this deep profound relationship with my body to notice places where i was numb and i didn't even realize it to notice places where even touching might bring up emotions or sensations that I wasn't really paying attention to. So it gave me this new relationship with my body and this new capacity to really allow it to move through from, you know, from the numbness through all the phases into that place of just function and pleasure. So it's been extremely valuable in my relationship with my partner. We've been married for 21 years and definitely have been through all of the seasons and all of the phases. And it's just given us like these wonderful tools, the sexual communication and even just understanding what my needs are. You know, the idea, believe it or not, it was only in my 40s in this program that I recognized and understood that I needed 20 to 40 minutes to actually be ready for, you know, penetrative sex. I actually was, you know, thought maybe something was wrong with me. Like I wasn't experiencing the level of pleasure that was possible. So let's pause there because people are going to be like, what? <laughs> what a minute. What? Wait, what? What? I know yeah. that there are like years just been like, what are you talking about? So let's back up a second and bring that into a more of a broader sense for people. What you talking about there, Nicole? <laughs> I know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. But everyone else might not. Let's talk. What are you talking about? Yeah, this one was actually really transformational for me because I really, truly, honestly thought there was something wrong with me. So, you know, most of us, we, our learning and understanding, especially maybe from pornography, we've learned to imagine, or maybe even just science, because science has usually been centered around male bodies in terms of what's understood and known. And so we expect that a woman's body or a yoni or, you know, vulva owner, vagina owner's body is going to function and operate similar to the way, like sexually, to the way that a, a penis owner's body operates. So we're expecting you get turned on like this, you're ready to go, then you have this massive explosive orgasm and it's all perfect. And it happens in like all of like five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and, it and, it's, and that's how it's supposed to be. And it's like hardcore, you know, it's the shoving. And pound, it's pound, 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 pound. What was transformational for me is to understand and know that that is just not how my body is designed. We have this beautiful clitoris that's, oh, there's way more to this, this um, part of us than is obvious. You know, you just see this tiny little thing externally, but there is so much. It extends all the way down past, you know, down to the length of your labia. It's huge. It extends internally into your body. It takes up to 20 minutes or more for your entire clitoris, the whole thing, the whole organ or all of its parts to be fully engorged because it is so huge and until really it's is. fully engorged, <laughs> I, you know, I should have brought my models, but until <laughs> it's fully engorged, you're, it's, you're not able to reach your pleasure potential. I also found that I just, it took me a little while to get wet. I just wasn't the kind of person who was just like ready to go there. I don't know if I'm normal or not. It doesn't matter. I just, you know, my body is who it, what it is, but it took me a while to just get, start having that really juicy, desiring, wet ready to go feeling. And it took me, you know, I found it surprisingly. And so this is another exploration for me. Why was it so hard to just tell my partner that I need more time? 
And I had to learn to actually, you know, it was like, if I say that, then maybe I'm, it means I'm inadequate. So I'm just not, I'm frigid or, or something. There's something wrong. And to just allow myself that time. And it took me this process to be able to have the the confidence, the capacity, whatever. I, I just needed the permission to be able to slow down and take time. And that was really liberating. Uh, yeah, so that was big. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's something that, there's so much of sex and the way that we operate in sex that is internalized and narratives are created around it. So like everything, (laughs) So you know, if I, if I can't get wet, that means that there's something wrong with me or that means I'm afraid my partner will think that there's something wrong with them. Or if someone with a penis has an erection and then loses an erection, that means something, or, you know, that means something for them. That means something for the person they're engaging with. Yep. If we don't have an orgasm or one person does, another one doesn't, that means something. None of it means anything, <laughs> right? It's all a narrative. It's all, we all just create these things. And, you know, when we're talking about this idea of connection, it creates hold up in our minds. We're also socially conditioned to be. Oh, well, absolutely. In That's all why. These, all these spaces, mm-hmm. to occupy all these lanes and to operate with uh, such a timidness when it comes to sex. And it just, it really does blow, blow my mind when, you know, you talk about culturally as a country, how we handle communicating mm-hmm. sex to like the younger generation. Like yeah. Exactly, well, and not communicating not sex to the younger exactly, generation. Exactly. So it's just like, what, how are we not having these active conversations? And wouldn't it be fruitful to be offering this knowledge to young people so they can like process it and hold on to it and like digest it and be like, all right, wow, like I have more tools to take with me as I move forward and, and a cure ex- experiences. It really is. And especially this idea that, you know, we aren't, that people with vulvas aren't fully engorged and, you know, available to that experience of even deeper pleasure for a bit, you know, having that wetness, having that, that um, de- even desire that that can take a while mm-hmm. for some people and depending, right. Depending on where you are. I think especially in like long-term relationships, I think that that can be a little bit more because oftentimes in, in newer relationships, you know, in polyamory, we call it NRE, new relationship energy. And it's this idea that when you're first with someone, there's that excitement and there's that newness that makes you just like, you gotta have the person. And sometimes that can create, that's a, an arousal effect that can have, you know, that you get to the place and you driving there, you're like, Oh my God, I'm so excited. And you know, that doesn't necessarily happen in long-term relationships as much. You have to work on that. You have to work on creating that excitement and that desire. And maybe it's, you know, sex is scheduled or, you know, whatever that is. And so I think that idea of getting aroused and becoming fully engorged to be able to experience that state of pleasure comes even more into play. And then there's a bit of that psychological snowball, right? Which is like, then you get more anxious about the fact that you're not getting aroused fast enough. There were definitely times when I I did wonder if it's because there's an issue with my relationship. So you get in your head about it and then that just makes it even harder to get really present and in your body and into your pleasure. So it's definitely worth examining all of that and kind of trying to break it down because it's not, it doesn't serve us and it doesn't work. No, and it just keeps us disconnected from ourselves and from our partners when we're just caught up in the shoulds during sex. There are no shoulds. There's also many ways of connecting that that don't involve penetrative sex. I've been on a podium. 
my soapbox on Instagram lately. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but also your contra practice, you doing this work, it's yeah. also brought that to light in our relationship and it's expanded Absolutely. the way we connect and I'm super grateful for it. But also in long-term relationships, I feel like people get caught up in the beginning of the relationships existing throughout their entire relationship rather than mm-hmm. unpacking it and being like, this is continual recommitment. You're continually rediscovering and recommitting to different formations of your relationship as you're moving forward in a long-term relationship. So get a hold of that and connect with the fact that you are with a person and a human being, and this person is going to grow differently than you are. And as long as you're moving in tandem and mm-hmm. growth, there's so much out there for you both to take on and to like work with together. Yeah. Emotionally and sexually. Oh my God. Have you experienced that, Nicole? Because you've been, you know, you've been, you've been yeah. at it longer yeah. than we have. Absolutely. <laughs> and we have been through so many seasons. And I think every time we're at a point where we need to kind of re-examine, that's exactly what comes up. It's like, is this the place where we're supposed to move apart? Or is this a place where we can see where we're really just in ready for the transition into the next up level or the tandem level? And what's been wonderful is that, you know, we're both... I think it sounds like you have a similar dynamic, which is that we, where Tantra became an aspect of our connection and our relationship, and it became our practice together and not just mine. In the beginning, it was just mine. And it has allowed for ways of connecting and finding intimacy that is so rich. And, you know, you can have a lot of sex and you, it could be lacking in intimacy and you can have intimacy without sex and that could be extremely fulfilling. And yeah, so that's definitely something that we actually have been really benefiting from a lot. It's been really wonderful for that. I wouldn't say that you and I, yeah, yeah I'm the one that practices because mm-hmm. we really haven't done many sexual practices with Tantra. Even right now, I'm not actually doing a lot of sexual practices. My Tantra is in the meditations and we do something that's called Tantric Union Breathing, which Nicole knows what that is, mm-hmm. where it's really about breath and connection. And that's something that has felt really nourishing for us. And I think for me, where I am right now, both my partnerships is I'm at a space where I'm just re-examining the conditions of sex and what it means to be a sexual being. And as someone who practices Tantra, as someone who just loves sex <laughs> in all of its formations, and as someone who has in the past really connected with my sexual energy from a space of using it to control and using it to feel safe by dominating with it because it was just something really easy for me to do. It's been pulling back on the traditional forms of sex. And to me, like bringing the energy of Tantra, even if it's not like through practices or just this idea of sacred sexuality through being super connected with my body and also, you know, with my pussy and what she needs, Mm -hmm. like so specifically as a way to honor her and to heal damage that has been thrust upon her in the past. And I mean, that would be one of the other things I got from Tantra is not just a sense of the sacred, but also a sense of, it's just this very self-empowering experience. It's this devotional practice that's really about honoring the body. In authentic Tantra, we say the body is Buddha, right? So rather than trying to transcend the body to find a spiritual experience, you find it through the body. And I think that's very connected to honoring your pussy because not treating it like just this thing, it's really sacred. And how do you want to protect that 
and also a love for that healing and a love for the pleasure and all of the lovely things rather than using it, which is a very, you know, I think I would say that's probably a common tendency among vulva owners. It's just a thing. I think it comes with patriarchy and it, you know, comes with the way things are designed. But I think we've definitely found ourselves in this pattern of using and not having that deep awareness and connection. So we've been talking about Tantra. Let's talk about like what it actually is (laughs) for people. Cause I don't talk about Tantra that often outside of the actual work that I do with clients and courses and stuff. And the reason is because there is so much Tantra out there. Um, that is not saying good or bad or better or worse, but a lot is culturally appropriated. Not all of it is lineage based, you know, everything has its place in time, I suppose. And I like to get really clear on what we're talking about when, you know, we're talking about this right now, you know, we could be interviewing something else, somebody else, and we could be talking about Tantra in a completely different way. So what is Tantra? So Tantra, the literal definition is actually to weave in the Shangpa Kagyu lineage, which is the lineage that we've been trained in. It means to weave light and sound with form. And so what that means is you're using visualizations, you're using mantras, and you're weaving that with the work with your body to to help support healing and pleasure. The interesting thing about this lineage, which has been actually transformative for me recently, is that this Shangpa Kagyu lineage actually came from a woman in the 11th century named Niguma. And she has been understood to be dark-skinned Black woman. And as someone who has struggled with ownership, I think I would say, of these spiritual practices, it's been huge for me. I'll go back a little bit. I've always certified yoga instructor. I've spent time in ashrams. I've been doing Buddhist meditation since my 20s. I've spent time in Buddhist temples, you know, and then I've done this Tibetan tantric Buddhism practice. And every time I do one of those things, I always come up against this, you know, like culture and spirituality is often woven. So I've come up against, you know, in the ashrams, the statues look Asian and the food is culturally South Asian food. And same thing in the Buddhist temples. It's the statues look Asian and Buddha looks Asian. And even in the Tantra practices, there are times when the images also just don't look like me. They don't look like my people. So as a result of that, I found myself sometimes really going through a little bit of a crisis around, is, do I own this? Like, do I have ownership of this? I see I, this resonates with me. I see it's, it's lovely and it, it makes sense to me, but it's not mine. And I've had moments of resistance to that. So understanding that some of these traditions might actually be connected to my lineage in some way has been super helpful. Understanding that this is not something I know a lot about just yet. But my understanding is that even, you know, generally yoga and all of these, some of these Asian traditions have found roots in uh, the Dravidians in Africa. So I'm really interested in exploring that. As I said, I don't know a lot, but it's been so wonderful to actually imagine the possibility that I might have some ownership of this or some belonging, some sense of belonging in it. I found myself even having moments in doing mantras. You know, a lot of the mantras are Sanskrit. And as much as I love them and they resonate for me, same thing. It's like Sanskrit is not the language of my ancestors. You know, it's been my narrative anyways. This is my long experience around, or this is my long piece around my personal relationship to Tantra. That's beautiful Mm -hmm. that we were able to find like a true home in a way, and then understanding of the lineage. It's been super helpful. It's funny as I as I hear you speak of this, I'm just thinking like, yeah, white people don't do that. 
<laughs> oh, where people are like, oh, it doesn't look like great. I'm going to appropriate it and make it my own. <laughs> it's just, it's real. I've been in spiritual and yoga communities for almost 20 years now. And there's so many things that are just really watered down because of that. You know, and I'm not saying every single person, but I've been in those communities for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And there are oftentimes it's just this colonialism. <laughs> That's the energy that has created all of this, right? It's like, oh, well, whatever. It's fine. (laughs) Just get in there and do the thing because I have the privilege, you know? I'll take this piece and make it my own and not really understand where this comes from or where this hails from. Yeah. Exactly what happens culturally. Yeah. Especially in terms of American culture overall. Yeah. No, I was just saying, and it's okay to be willing to engage in these practices and and traditions. I think it's just about respecting them and honoring them and a little bit less in my imagination, or at least that's my wish, a little bit less about capitalizing on them. And so that's been huge for me in my interactions with all of these practices that I'm so fortunate to be a part of. But yeah, I hear you, like different value systems, right? (laughs) Different value systems. That's a really nice way of putting it. <laughs> like I, I'm, I'm curious to know how all these practices have affected the way in which you speak to your daughter in relation to like herself, like and, that, and, and moving it's through so that. Funny. Yeah, I have a really hilarious story. My daughter came home from school the other day and told me that even though it's not a religious school, it's just a regular public school, her school's sex education policy is abstinence-based. And she came in outraged. It's like, did you know that the school's policy is abstinence-based? Do they know how dangerous that is? And she just really... That's 15-year-old. Get it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I'll say two things. I'll say, first of all, teenagers are teenagers they will resist having those kinds of conversations. You know, I don't know if it's because I got into this later. I don't know if she would have been more open if I started doing the tantra work when she was two or something. I'm not sure. (laughs) But I know that to a large extent, she has limits. It's like, mom, this is, we stop here. (laughs) You know, like there's only so much I want to talk to you about. Boundaries are good. (laughs) And then she's super clear that all the models, everything that we put away before any friends come anywhere near the house. (laughs) No, <laughs> no, no vulvas and penises lying out. No, mom. You, don't, you don't just thank keep you. that hanging around. Exactly. Please and thank you. Fair enough. Put the penises away. So fair enough. So I'll say that. So she's a regular teen in that way. She wants those boundaries in place. And on the other hand, yeah, it's actually, we definitely are having conversations that I think I wished I was able to have with my mom when I was growing up. This was one that was also a very difficult experience for my mom or conversation for her because she knew nothing about sex and then she got pregnant with me. And she was very clear, interestingly enough, that knowing nothing about sex is the reason she got pregnant with me. And yet she was afraid to talk to me about sex. No. Wild. <laughs> yeah. Mind you, I got books, which was actually a step up from what she got. But the books were not enough because the piece that I think I bring to my daughter is beyond the biology of you take a penis, you'd sit in a vagina, here's the STDs you can get, and here's how you can get pregnant. It's way beyond that. It's so much more about understanding things like what healthy sexual communication looks and feels like, understanding things like your own pleasure. And again, like why that might be different in your body than it might be in a penis owner's body or whoever your partner might be. It's understanding the fact that the connection that you have with that other person is so much more than just a physical connection that you're actually cultivating something with another being 
or you're cultivating something with yourself. So I'm a big, big proponent on teenagers needing to masturbate. If you're a teenager, you should spend a lot of time with your body in this way so that when you then engage with other bodies, you're doing it from a place of really knowing your body, really having a sense of understanding what brings you pleasure and what might not, really being able to advocate and communicate for your needs. All of these wonderful things that, to be honest, I kind of learned the hard way, <laughs> at least until I found Tantra, right? I My hope is that she's gotten those things out of having a mom who's done this work. I think the conversation will continue. It'll evolve because, you know, there's still things that kind of are more situational. Sort of as she gets older, we can kind of bring those into the equation. But yeah, it's kind of a fun one. I also have a son who is 20 and he just wants me to kind of like put all this stuff away and he doesn't want to see it and doesn't really want to talk about it. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, he has a complete wall up in reference to being able to have it. Yeah. And again, maybe it's the age at which I kind of really started to open up more of those conversations. Sure. But yeah. It yeah. has to be on his radar though. Even if you're not speaking about it, be like, hmm, you know, but also be, I was not talking to my mom about these things, but I did frankly ask when I was like really young, what's that all about? Where, where do babies come from? She's <laughs> like, look at this book. And I was like, hmm. <laughs> Interest. <laughs> I, mine was a book too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Didn't yeah. have any problem talking about that stuff. I was just like, and then what happens? <laughs> what? That's wild. <laughs> like, I, it's very clear in my head. So, Nicole, we talked a little bit about what tantra is. What is sexual somatic healing? So the practice of sexual somatic healing, it's almost like the way I think about it is like an elevated form of masturbation. It's elevated masturbations. It's so much about using pleasure practices. So we, you know, we set up these beautiful spaces. We allow ourselves to come into a really calm nervous system and we pleasure ourselves, whether, you know, we starting with more broadly with your skin and all of that stuff and then bringing the focus to your genitals and you do that in a super, super intentional way. And you do that with like a lot of breath work and a lot of staying really present to your body. And what that does is that as you are moving energy, as you're building sexual energy, that sexual energy starts to cause things to release in your body, whether it's like through your nervous system, from your genitals or parts that you might touch. And sometimes it might feel, it might actually bring up emotions, sometimes difficult emotions. And then you have to stay with that and you breathe through it and you move through it and you might need to stop. And it brings up, if you allow that to clear and move instead of resisting it, you kind of sort of like release into it. Then that brings you into another layer and a deeper layer of pleasure. And then you just keep moving. And it's all so much about this delicious, like give yourself the space, give yourself the time to really work, work through these, like the different mutras and the different like ways of touching yourself. And there's a whole technique to it. And I would say that, you know, I think it's extremely important for that to be a practice you do with yourself and on your own. And then there are times when, you know, in relationship or in certain contexts that this can be a partner practice too. It's very much about somatic healing, which is like recognizing that 
there is stuff in ourselves, there's stuff in our bodies, like our bodies hold emotions and it holds it in certain places and in certain ways. And we're just like gently allowing that to kind of release from our system. And what's lovely about it is that you don't need to know what you're releasing. You don't need to be like, I have this memory that this happened when I was 10 and this is what's releasing from my body. It's just, you just allow yourself to feel what you're feeling. You support yourself with your breath and you support yourself with a lot of tenderness and creating safety in your environment and all of that. And then it's sort of your body will naturally release what it's ready to release when it's ready to release it. Yeah. And that's something that I think oftentimes not having a narrative with that, sometimes for me, that can be challenging, especially in the work that I'm doing right now is what are you holding? What story are you holding? What age is that? What is this? And sometimes that can be helpful, right? To connect with those pieces. But you know, my therapist says something that's continuously in the work that I'm currently doing. And that is, it's not about the trauma. The healing isn't about the trauma. It's the part of our story, whatever that trauma is, right? But this is a little bit of a different work that I'm doing right now. I'm working with different things and Tantra doing a mix right now. But what I've come to connect with is that, yes, we can be bear witness to what our bodies want to release, but ultimately it's about connecting with our wholeness and connecting with our completeness and our infinite experience of self. That's what it's about. And if we focus too hard on the trauma, then it's all of a sudden, it's just takes over our identity, right? We're always looking for, to have this new, this identity. I'm I'm identifying with this, I'm identifying with that. Mm -hmm. And so that, that tip, it's not about the trauma. And I think in sexual somatic healing, it could feel like that sometimes. It definitely has for me and the ways that my body has chosen to release things. And at times it's very intense in the ways my body decides and chooses to release things. And still, even in those moments, it's not just about that. It's about something bigger. I love that. It so aligns with this concept of what you focus on expands. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And and also it's it also aligns with this concept that we came into this existence kind of perfect. You know, we had this core self that just knew itself and was intuitive and that experiences of life may have put sort of space, like blocks and lines between that infinite self and who we are in the relative world. And so all you have to do is clear something. So you come back to that person, that person in here before the stories that told you you weren't enough, that there is that person underneath there who is whole and complete and beautiful. I love that Tantra brings that. And I love that somatic healing brings that. The tools you can use, it's all there. It's all there. Okay. You ready for the quick fire? Let's do it. (laughs) Okay. So we're going to ask you some fun questions and we got some time. So we're going to, we're going to ask you a nice amount. And just brief and honest, however you can. If there needs to be a little more explanation, then, you know, we welcome it. Okay, I'll go first. When do you feel most vulnerable? Oh, wow. That's a hard one. Uh, (laughs) I feel vulnerable all the time. (laughs) When I have to speak my truth. Something that makes you belly laugh. My dog, Olive. Yeah, she's hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) If you could have a threesome with... uh, Two famous people, living or dead. You can bring your partner in. You, can, you don't have to. That's up to you. But there's going to be two other people in this mix. Famous, living or dead. They don't have to be real. They could be a character. Uh, who would they be? That's easy. Lisa Bonet and Lenny Kravitz. <laughs> this is not the first time we've heard this. Second time. Second time. And, oh, that is so yeah. perfect. And my husband is invited. <laughs> <laughs> like, you can come too. You can come. Yeah. 
They had some beautiful ass humans. Oh my god, yes. Mm-hmm. Although with the last one, it was like also Jason <laughs> Momoa and like the daughter, like everybody. She was like, I want, I want the whole. <laughs> I was like, get it, get it. That's so funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you could have a superpower, what would it be? If I could have a superpower, it would be to take away pain. Mm. <laughs> If there was a food that could give you an orgasm, what would it be? Mangoes, without a doubt. I think they already do. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the thing about that, oh, you're just like, yes. I could feel that in my body when you said it. I was like, mm, I started salivating. Yeah. <laughs> Especially yeah. like the way, you know, you can eat a mango is, you know, you oh, can yeah. just peel it. Oh, juicy. Yeah. I, mean, I was oh, just yeah. eating and they the were right like, ones. they peeled all the way through. We were the kids mm-hmm. and they peeled it and then we just, we ate it down to the core and then there was a little piece with the skin left and then we were like, I don't get my hands dirty and they throw it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was just like the juices running down your, it's a very erotic yes. experience. <laughs> just like mango. Yes. So sensual. Mm. Yeah, it really is. Uh, is. What is romance for you? Yeah, so it's funny because I'm trying to keep it short, but I'm definitely not the flowers and chocolates kind of person. I am definitely a show me its actions. It's like just staying connected to who I am and allowing that to be. So just for me, just that intimacy of like you see me and I see you and then we just allow that to be good. That's okay. I love it. That's beautiful. Yeah. What's your love language? We just got a little hint of that. Yeah. It's the, what do they call it? Acts, acts, of, acts of service. service. Acts of service. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that one. I'm a big acts of service person. <laughs> <laughs> what is uh, one way you're taking care of yourself? These days I've been doing a lot of baths, which is interesting because I never used to. And now it's, I'm just really, really craving baths a lot. It's just so soothing. And yeah. Oh yeah. Britt's been loving baths recently. Baths and power ballads. <laughs> She, she literally <laughs> takes baths and I can hear her singing At the top of Celine Dion. Oh, I in, love it. In the background, like hard. That's so perfect. There's some very special <laughs> things going on, which I'm I'm not ready to reveal to the public yet about my pa- baths and power ballads, but let's just say this shit is real. <laughs> the, pow- the power is there. The power of the ballads. Is no I look forward to it. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Nicole, this has been so such a delight having you on. And I feel like we went the gamut. We like really talked about yeah. a lot of different layers mm-hmm. of sex and, and Tantra and being human. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> thank you so much for sharing your light with us. Absolute pleasure. Thank you. And thank you for having me. It's it's uh, wonderful and an honor to be, to be with you guys. And so do you have anything going on that you want to share? I'm just still developing Vunail Yoga and I'm hoping to bring in some workshops in the spring. So check out BlueNileYoga.com or you can check out IG at BlueNileYoga. Beautiful. And we'll be giving that at the end as well. So we, we got you. Okay. okay. Thank you. Thank you, Nicole. Thank you so much, Brittany. Have a good one. We've really covered a lot of topics in a short amount of time. It's a lot of topics in a short amount of time. <laughs> Tantra, sexual somatic healing. Talking about sex with your kids. Talking about sex with your kids. I was like, damn, this, like, this could be an episode for each one of these. <laughs> I love that Nicole brought up the um, just this idea of being like someone with a vulva needing oftentimes more time and like her experience of that mm-hmm. to feel more pleasure and to, you know, just to get more engorged and all of that stuff. Cause there's some even now evidence that says otherwise, but like 
oftentimes as soon as people with vulvas hear that, they're like, oh, I'm not broken, you know? And so (laughs) there is something to the experience of humans over and over again that is really important to understand, Mm -hmm. right? And I'm so glad that she spoke to that. I feel like at this juncture in my life in relation to like relationships, I'm very much like refocusing my attention on like the attention and like nurturing required for building intimate interactions. We are also like put in a position where we we want to rush things and happen fast. And, you know, we need to get to this and get to that. And it's so goal oriented. And right now it's a calm space that I'm observing. And uh, yeah, it's great getting a deeper understanding around. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like the difference between the masculine and the feminine, really, mm-hmm. you know, that, that kind of more assertive, even aggressive energy, as opposed to that receptive energy, which is still so damn powerful. Yeah. Yeah. But it feels like it, it all is valid and all has, has a place. Absolutely. And it kind of, I mean, like it's waves, like, it's, yeah. and wave, waves should exist in pleasure and waves exist in our lives and waves exist in our emotions and in our, in our hearts and our mindsets. Yeah, we have ups and downs. It just so happens, though, that most of society, sex, you know, all of that is still dominated by a very masculine patriarchal wave, <laughs> so to speak. Purely, purely focused around that. Yeah, and so that's why that tends to dominate. Like, you know, it's not like there's no space for this. There's no room for this. It's just, can there be a balance? And it doesn't have to be an exact balance, but can there be room for both and yeah. for all yeah. of the iterations of energy? You know, mm-hmm. and porn also has a huge effect on how men connect with this that the channel as well. It bypasses it, and it just mm-hmm. it bas- men observe women just like ready to go and like excited, and it's like uh, they're like loving it, and they can't get enough of it, and mm-hmm. it makes them think that that's what exists within like their own sexual encounters and practices. Yeah, and I don't. I, I would go as far as like I don't think it's just men. I think it's anyone who watches porn thinks that. True. You know, I think a lot of times because I've also heard from you know. Other people that aren't men also say, you know, that like, yeah, I've watched this and I thought that this was what it was supposed to be or that, you know, jackhammer sex was the sex I'm supposed to be having or because no one's really receiving the education. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's across the board that that can happen. Is it maybe a little bit heavier on on side for men, perhaps? But yeah, I think it's across the board. Permeates it all. Totally. Thank you so much for listening. Follow Nicole at Blue Nile Yoga on Instagram. That's N-I-L-E for the Nile part. And BlueNileYoga.com for her website. Follow me at Sexually Underscore Liberated on Instagram. And check out my website at BrittanyPolacastro.com. Follow me at Nick Anthony Photo on Instagram. Check out my website at NickAnthony.com. Editing by Audionauts. Music by Greta Hopmer. And please leave us a five-star review. It's really helpful. I know you got a lot going on, but it would really mean a lot to us if you could help us share the love and spread the love. Please. Of this kitchen table podcast. (laughs) Until next time.